Shushian Cast, the podcast where we just can't stop watching Minami Kamakura, <laughs> even if we wanted to. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest. It's Matt. Hey! Big surprise, right? Right. <laughs> uh, so this is the seventh week of the spring anime season. We'll be covering every sports anime that aired between May 14th and the 20th, and uh, that is has particular relevance because a show we were not expecting to re-emerge did emerge between May 14th and the 20th, Manami Kamakura Girls yep. High School Cycling. If I may uh, just interject, uh, as we were getting ready to, uh, we did a simul watch this week for pretty much all of the shows that we're covering, and uh, Matt just immediately informed me that just as he was pulling up Crunchyroll, he was like, Matt, there was an episode of Manami Kamakura, and there was much... Much disappointment. Yeah, I would say there was a groaning, gnashing of teeth. Um, right. Shock. Debating whether or not we should bother covering it even right now, but we decided that we were just going to do it. We're not uh, We're not doing any add-on to our review episode, just because, frankly, who cares? Right. Um, yeah, but uh, once we got done shaking our fists at the heavens, we decided, you know, it is our responsibility to cover all sports anime that air right. between our May 14th and May 20th. Yeah, our totally made-up <laughs> responsibility that no one holds us accountable for, but there you go. It's ours. Yeah. There um, you go. And one other note, uh, Matt, you will be absent for the Tiger Mask section. We are actually recording this podcast early this week because you'll be out of town over the weekend and unavailable to record, so yes. we're uh, going to have a little time jump for the end, and I will do Tiger Mask by myself. Yep, that is correct, and you'll also be covering uh, ending responsibilities. I will be at ASEN this weekend, so if by chance you happen to be at ASEN and you see a guy walking around with a Koshian cast badge, uh, that's me. I don't think you will, because actually I'll be wearing my press badge now that I think about it. Um, so it good lead-in, good lead-in. Thank also, you. Also, uh, when you say, if you see me, what you mean is, if you have already seen me, because <laughs> no one will hear this until after the event. Right, no, that, that's, that's fair, never mind. I'm not sure what I was thinking about that. It's okay, time is confusing. Um, on that note, do you want to jump into uh, Yawapeda? I would love to. Okay, so this week was episode 19, uh... The beginning of this episode, uh, Kaburagi and uh, Aoyagi have caught up to Dobashi. Uh, or Kaburagi is still insisting that he is not a sprinter, and he sends Aoyagi up to uh, catch up with uh, Dobashi. Uh, there's a little bit of flashbacking, though, where, uh, where we find out that Kaburagi has a special skill, which is holding the handlebars properly. So apparently he's been he's been this good at sprinting this entire time without realizing it because he's not even putting his full his full body into it essentially and the only way he learned how to put his full body into it was that even though uh, the rest of his teammates were explaining to him how he could be sprinting better uh, he was ignoring them so instead Aoyagi wrote Kaburagi notes underneath his favorite soda and left it out in front of the vending machine he is always sprinting to giving him advice, and for some reason he listens to that over his own friends. Um, but anyway, what we also we also have a uh, secondary flashback about Dobashi's history, where we find out that everything we've seen up in, about Dobashi at this point is just his controlled form. He hasn't really gone, he hasn't really, like, let loose, because he has this nasty history of 
being part of the Hakone team, and uh, they keep kicking him off the team because he keeps beating up their other members. Right. And But he keeps rejoining, and eventually Izumita tells him that, hey, it's okay for you to keep losing control because that's just part of who you are, and that's... Uh, you know, that's really what we want out of you. You know, kind of just let your heart run wild. And at the very end of the episode, uh, Dobashi decides to finally, like, keep himself, like, unrestrain himself. And that's where the episode cuts away. Right. Um, so, Matt, thoughts? Uh, thoughts. Um, <laughs> I was a little frustrated by how often in this episode they have to reiterate how dumb Kaburagi is and then explain it away as being right. a positive thing because like oh he's he's <laughs> dumb because when he receives handwritten notes to correct his form he believes that they're from the god of soda instead of like Aoyagi right. who is standing next to the notes um, and they say like well yeah so he's dumb but that also means he's too dumb to realize how much stronger Dobashi is. So it right. makes him fearless, I guess. Sure. And I think that was really, that was kind of the problem I had with that was... Uh, so, like, one of the things about Dobashi is one of his great strengths is that he emits this aura that makes everybody uh, weak in the knees. Literally. That's what L- they literally, say. that like... is how they describe it. <laughs> Uh, like, I am not, like, using a euphemism here. Right. And, but apparently, Kaburagi is too dumb to notice it. Yeah, he can't feel pressure. Right. Which is also remarkably untrue, considering everything else we've seen about him. Like... Mm -hmm. Like when he was freaking out right before the race when Dobashi said that, I don't think your team is that strong. (laughs) And apparently... Yeah, we get get a wrap-up to that, actually. Well, kind of a non-wrap-up, because Kaburagi is talking about how much he loves racing with, uh, with the Sohoku team. And... Like, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, maybe Onoda's a little unreliable sometimes, but, you know, it's like, I really love writing with you guys. And it's like, were you not just completely shaken by Dobashi's words, like, I don't know, 15 minutes ago? What bothers me is that he doesn't actually address the premise of Dobashi's criticism. So Dobashi said, hey, I don't think Sohoku's that strong. And he said, what if they're not that strong? And his resolution to that was, well, we have fun. Which is so out of character with everything Kaburaki said up right. now, where he's obsessed with winning, just like everyone else in this show. Um, so why now is I have fun with these guys a sufficient counterpoint? Right. And, you know, to be fair, if he had gone, like, through some soul-searching at some point and had been, like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this whole thing, idea of strength wasn't that important to me. Maybe what's really important to me is writing with these people. Then sure, I could, you know, maybe that's like his big motivation to finally bring down Dobashi. You know, fine, whatever. Like, maybe that's what completely unrestrains him. The problem is that there's this real disconnect between that prior tension that was established for his character and now all of a sudden just kind of playing it off as nothing. Right. Uh, Because because we don't really get to see him go... We don't really get to see him evolve in that regard. He's just suddenly... it, It kind of feels like the show is just using Kaburagi... For pretty like they need to like they have a plot point and since none of the other characters fit into like the conflict that they've established they just decide to throw in Kaburagi in there instead. Yeah, I agree. Like he, he he's kind of a catch-all. Yeah, so 
what did you think of Dobashi's background though? Because they sort of did some back and forth between Kaburagi and Dobashi, like you mentioned, of you know how how they became sprinters essentially. Right, and uh, the pro- so honestly, I was fine with Dobashi's backstory. Uh, I'm a little confused about the timeline there. I don't even quite understand what year Dobashi is. I'm pretty sure he's a second year now. Okay, he is a second year because they they were trying to come up with an excuse for why Dobashi wasn't on the team. Uh, and what yeah. got me about is because there was somebody else who was running the team at the time who wasn't Fukutomi. No, no, no. That there was a they they dropped one line about that. It was Fukutomi was still the captain, but because he was preparing for the inner high, the people on the inner high team just went off and did their own thing, and they assigned another guy to run. You know, be in charge of the training for everyone else. Okay. So, okay. So that makes at least a little bit more sense. I kind of missed that line there. My bad. Um, But, you know, honestly, that still kind of speaks to the point I was largely going to get at there, which is, first of all, what annoys me about that is that they... This kind of goes back to something we were saying before about how the series refuses to give any form of negative trait to any of its central characters. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is basically an excuse... For why, oh, you know, had Fukutomi been the captain at this time, had he been a deciding factor in the inner high team right now, uh, you know, they would have obviously, like, realized his uh, potential immediately. Mm-hmm. Or, like, they wouldn't have been, like, kicking him off just for hitting other teammates. Yeah, mul- getting in multiple fights that he started. That how he how start- stupid are they to kick him off the team for team. a reason like that and only forgive him the next day? Right, because that was the other thing that was really silly about it. It's like, okay, this guy is clearly assaulting other teammates. Mm-hmm. And, like, in So when you have a character like that who's, like, redi- who's like violent and uncontrollable, you kind of have to, like, create a reason to make them sympathetic for it. So, for example, in this one... But the problem is that the uh, that those motivations don't really sync up with the, with his response. Like, I... Like, I guess the way that you could do this is that, like, so you can make, like, those, like, people who are years above him be, like, you know, they're trying, they're keep, they're purposely, like, trying to keep him down. Like, I guess they did that, did that a little bit because they let the air out of his tires of his bike. But you gotta really make these guys scumbags for, for, you know, for the response that, you know, justifies him being, like, I'm gonna beat your face in because you let the fa- let the air out of my tires because you're yeah, jealous or, of my ability. Or the other fight he got in the episode where he punched someone because they were riding too slow. Right, exactly, and you know, like, you know how, do you, I, how do you make that a sympathetic character? Well, oh, it's just because he's too good at cycling and he's too passionate about the team. So we're gonna have Izumita come along and decide to train him personally in the way of a sprinter and teach him to unleash all of his emotion instead of acting polite around others. Right, and it's like, wait, what? Like, I'm supposed to be sympathizing with Dobashi in this situation? I am entirely on the side of Hakone here. Mm -hmm. Uh, like, yeah, okay, they shouldn't be doing that. Like, but at the same time... Yeah, the response does not... It's justify. not fair. It's, you know, yeah, it's, it's not. Just, it's not a fair justification. But the series is trying to tell us, like, no, Dobashi was in the right here. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's his. Know. That's his catchphrase. Weirdly, is I'm right. So, whenever he has an opinion, he's right because he just be- believes better 
and it has better emotions. It's not right. totally clear why he keeps yelling, I'm right, but right. he does. But, and it's just like, come on, guys. And, and I think that's what gets me so much about it, is that we're supposed, like, Hakone is, like, the former members were totally in the right, because naturally they have, uh, cap- they all have captain sense. Izumita developed captain sense early on. Sure. Uh, and could see, it's like, no, we see the true error of his ways. Like, if you guys just understood how good he was. But it's mm-hmm. like, I don't think the series really knows how to establish this sort of team. Yeah. Like, you got to be willing to make Hakone a more detestable team. And they're, they're yeah. doing everything in their power to not do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have, they have trouble making uh, characters evil. I mean... Outside of Mido Suji. Well, yeah, outside of Mido Suji, but then, you know, in the in the first series, they even made him redeemable and tried to give him, like, the background with his mother and stuff, so it was like, oh, well, you understand, you know, all that. They can't actually have an, an actually evil person. Right, but, you know, in that sort of situation, I'm fine with it, because it depicted uh, Mido Suji, like, that sort of backstory, I'm a lot more sympathetic to him. You know, this is a guy who's been kind of warped by his situation and kind of latched yeah, on. He, yeah, you're right. He is still evil, though, in practice. You know? Right. But for Hakone, they can't make anyone actually evil. Right. Um, so you want to talk about something that... Uh, evil in practice. You want to talk about a practice game and <laughs> mean big wind-up? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just reeling from that. Yeah, I mean, I mean... Can you just go on to the summary, please? I, yeah, you're probably <laughs> right. That's better for everyone involved. Um, and so we've got Big Wind-Up Episode 7. Uh, we start off in the uh, top of the 8th inning, and Nishira has a strategy where they're trying to wear down Kano, so they're essentially trying to make him pitch as much as possible and exhaust him. Um they managed to do so and get a couple people on and get Tajima back up to the plate. He's able to drive someone in. Ultimately, Nishiyar is able to score two runs in that inning and take the lead back. So they're up 5-4. Um, by the bottom of the ninth, uh, Mahashi is able to get some weak pop flies and then strike out Oda to win the game. Um Throughout this episode, uh, Mihashi has been sort of hiding from Abe and hiding from the rest of the team uh, because he felt guilty about giving up a number of runs. So at, at different points, you see different members of the team coaxing him back to the dugout saying, hey, we're not mad at you. We believe in you. Uh, you're trying your hardest and we're proud of you. And so Mihashi starts to realize that, you know, he's getting support from Nishira that he never got from Mihoshi. Um, and then after the game, you see Mahoshi sort of collectively apologize, you know, particularly Hatake apologizes for the way he acted towards uh, Mihashi. And uh, Mahashi admits that, you know, he should have given Kano more of a chance um, and he shouldn't have run away from the team without saying anything, that he was glad they finally got to play together. Ultimately, Mahoshi asks him if he's willing to come back to their school, but um, of course Mahashi says he's found a place in Nishira that he's not willing to leave. Um, so Mahashi collapses, and Abe realizes, you know, they've sort of built a relationship and earned each other's trust, and uh, so we move forward out of uh, the training camp. Right. Awesome. So, 
what I really enjoyed about this episode is how they uh, set up the relate uh, the relationship between Mihashi and the rest of the team. With Nishiura. Uh, yes, with uh, Nishiura, my bad. Uh, largely just because you can immediately sense what... Like, they kind of wrap it up and kind of, like, kind of bring it into the text rather than take it, leaving it into the subtext. Basically, uh, halfway through the episode where uh, Mihashi realizes that uh, the rest of the team has been good for him and that's why he wants to stay with them. Mm-hmm. But I re- what I really like about that is that they establish that ahead of time uh, in the first part of the episode where uh, Mihashi is kind of beating himself up over... F- uh, for the lost runs, and you you kind of get this sense, you know, about how terrified he is about Abe, you know, coming into coming over and about to lay into him. And, you know, rather than that, rather than that, what happens is uh, Abe actually like apologizes to Mihashi. Is like, dude, I'm sorry, I got too caught up mm-hmm. in this. Like, I got too caught up in this perfect mm-hmm. idea. And I guess what I like about that is just from that, just from that instance, you can immediately understand why this is the right team for Mihashi. Mm. Uh, because this is a team that is actually going out of its way to take blame. Like, nobody's throwing blame on mm. Mihashi for pretty... I mean, not for anything, but for, you know, they're, they're kind of laying off him, and it's not something that Mihashi is used well, to. Well, yeah, and that that's what struck me when he was effectively hiding from Abe and hiding from the team and Abe walks up and he sort of tenses up and he gets scared. He's like, I know he's going to yell at me, you know? Well, so what, what I was thinking about when I was watching that is I was remembering when we, you know, watched this eight or 10 years ago. Um, and so, you know, we must've just been starting college or whatever at the time. And I found Mahashi very, unpleasant to watch i didn't understand him i didn't like how much he complained i thought he was annoying uh, i liked the show despite him but i really didn't like him as a character um right and watching it again now as you know more of an adult i totally see where Mahashi's coming from i'm like oh no he's not like an annoying baby he is someone who suffered years of emotional abuse Right, exactly. Like, this isn't just somebody who is, like, who's kind of your standard, like, sh- like kind of yeah. wimpy shounen right. hero. He's not just some milk toast uh, guy. Right, he's not Tsukamoto from right. Days. Um, he's actually, like, you know, this is a character who actually has, like, a psychological, like, hindrance. Like, he has, like, a barrier that's been established thanks to years of abuse. Right. Uh, and, you know, he's kind of, like, through baseball, he's kind of learning to, like, get over mm-hmm. it. Or at least address uh, and like, it and see that, you know, there's another way to be. Right. And, you know, he's kind of seeing it like, hey, you know, this is a healthy support group that I found now. Like, baseball doesn't have to be like mm-hmm. this. Uh, and I thought, you know, that's... It, it, admittedly, I think it is kind of... For a high school student or for somebody, like, in the young adult area... Um, it can't. I can see why we thought that because that does. That is a hard type of character to sympathize with when you're in high right. school. And they, and they don't you know, really just... say it explicitly. They don't say like, "Oh, Mahashi is reacting uh, in a frantic way because he suffered some trauma at the hands of his former peers." And, you know, it doesn't right. ever say that, but it does show it. And there's enough signs that if you've experienced, you know, some amount of life, you're like, oh, it's very clear what's happening. 
Right. Yeah, definitely. But that's the problem. You kind of do have to have some experience for life. Mm -hmm. Or in life, rather, to kind of appreciate that. So I guess I can kind of understand why, as high schoolers, we may have been like, oh, no, Mihashi, he's so lame. Like, um... But yeah, it's it's great kind of going back and looking at it at with a fresh high, you know. There there's kind of, like I think what I liked at first when we were watching it was just sort of the mind yeah. game. Like, you know, you can kind of easily appreciate that game, but you kind of like it in spite of everything else about it, but it's like, yeah, going back on it now, it's like, man, there's a really like solid character drama yeah, in there. I agree. Like uh, I really like watching how Mihashi and Abe are not really on the same level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're working I, and I, together and they're communicating, but they're sort of they're talking about the same thing, but sort of shooting at different angles, and they have different goals and ideas, and yeah, right. it's really interesting. Indeed, uh, and I, but you know, I think we both appreciated Tajima, though. Well, always. I mean, that's the well. thing. He's a very easy character to like, no matter who you are, basically. Right. He he basically doesn't let like anything get him down. You know, I, I think what I really liked as well about this episode is that moment where Tajima comes up to Mihashi. It's like in. You know, this uh, we've almost seen Mihashi exclusively interact just with Abe. So the episode really needed... So what I really liked what the episode did here was they actually showed uh, Mihashi actually interact with somebody who wasn't Abe, essentially, or somebody from Mihoshi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it just, you know, you know... Uh, you know, Tanjima just walks up and is like, dude, I was a, I'm a cleanup batter and I only got a runoff, you know, with bases loaded. You know, that's actually pretty pathetic for me, but you know what? I'm not going to let it worry me. You, like, really, nobody cares, man. Just come on. And I love the fact that, you know, Tanjima can be that sort of force for Mihashi as well. You know, it's not just him and Abe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that's great. Yeah, yeah the last thing I want to say is just that this game finished a lot faster than in my memory. I think, again, similarly, you know, when, whenever we watched this at first, because th- this game has lasted, what, four ep- four or five episodes? Like five, I think about five, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it, it might have started partway through episode three, something, something like that. So, like, four or five episodes of one game. But in my mind, it was, like, 20 episodes. Um, because... I just remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, they play, like, one game in the whole show, and it takes forever. Um, so right. now we have, you know, three quarters of the show left, and I have no memory of what happens at all. <laughs> uh, so that's great for me, because it's all going to be a surprise. Yeah, definitely. Same here. Like, I remember, like, one vague thing about the few... I remember the final yeah, episode... That's what I was going to say, too, is I remember the final episode because it's about Mihoshi, and I assumed it was going to, you know, be about Mihoshi. Ha! Ah. Um, Alright, let's let's move on before I uh, make this worse. Um, <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm fine with moving on to encouragement. Alright, take him. Okay, so... We, this week we covered episodes five and six of the uh, second season. So the first episode is about... It's effectively about the relationship between Aoi and Hinata. Uh, Hinata accidentally pulls down uh, Aoi's skirt in public, uh, similar to an incident that happened when they were kids. And uh, she goes to apologize to Aoi, but Aoi is surprisingly okay with it. You know, she's a little annoyed. It's like, hey, you know, you do need to work on your spaciness, but you know what? I realize it was an accident. And then what happens is, uh, while Aoi goes to go get drinks, Hinata ends up messing around with a knitting project that Aoi was working on and completely messes it up. 
Uh, in which case, Hinata starts giving uh, Aoi the cold sho- shoulder and kicks her out. Other way around, uh, Aoi the... k- kicks out Hinata. Yeah, my bad. Sorry, I confuse the two characters yeah, sometimes. Uh, anyway, so after that, uh, Hinata goes to talk to Kakona about what she's upset about, what uh, Aoi is upset about, and the fact was that that knitting product was a surprise present that Aoi was working on for Hinata. So Hinata wants to return her kindness. And she starts, uh, she and Kakona go and start knitting, like, something in private. Uh, Kakona starts teaching her to knit. And then Hinata, but in that process, you know, she kind of runs out of spare time, so she's not talking with Aoi anymore. Uh, so Aoi starts getting depressed that the two, two seem to be having problems. Uh, but at the very end, they make up because Aoi comes by with a half-knitted... Still Hinata. Uh, ha- oh, Hinata, my bad. Ugh. Uh, comes by with a half-knitted hat for her, and the two make up, and then the episode ends with Aoi accidentally pulling down Hinata's skirt in a, uh, basically, it comes all full circle. And then the second episode is about a- an excursion they wanted to take to Mount Fuji. Uh, they The girls ba- uh, overhear, well, specifically Hinata and Aoi hear about Hinata's excursion to Mount Fuji when he was younger, and they decide they want to go. Uh, they go on a brief shopping trip, and uh, they discover how expensive down jackets are, which they'll need. So Aoi goes to talk to her mother about borrowing her jacket. Her j- mother says no, and then Aoi decides to, uh, you know, Aoi gets really dismayed because her mother was basically like, I will not allow you to go out at night, like, onto a mountain, because you have never expressed any interest in mountaineering before. Uh, anyway, she gets some advice from her father to basically be like, you know, it's good that you are excited for these things, but, you know, if you want to do this, you're going to have to learn actually how to talk to your mother about this rather than just sort of yeah. start pouting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Aoi convinces her mother, uh, Aoi takes a second shot at her mother, uh, manages to convince her by explaining to her, like, I'm going to be with a bunch of people. Uh, there is reception up there, so I can keep, I can call you to update you and let you know that I'm okay. Uh, Aoi's mother agrees and ends up loaning her the down jacket and then they're going to start going out to Mount Fuji. Right. Uh, So, lots of hot-blooded sports anime action this week, needless (laughs) to say. I mean, for, you know, all things considered, like, I think out of everything we've watched... I think this this was probably the densest of, like, anything we've watched today. Uh, like, just in terms of sheer content. Yeah. Because there's a lot... Because I really kind of skimmed through that. Despite being only, like... Like, once you cut out the opening and ending, it, these episodes are only about ten minutes long, and there's a lot that mm-hmm. happens. Uh, but I, I thought that was... It's good. It's good, actually. Uh, it could, like... This could have been a lot more painful than it actually was, especially based off of how they have this whole uh, skirt-pulling-down mm-hmm. business. And having that being a central plot point of these episodes, like as soon as that, as soon as they brought up the memory of that from their childhood, it's like, oh no, they're gonna do this as adults, aren't yeah. they? And they do, but you don't actually see anything, and that's barely what saves it. Right? Is that because they could they could have easily turned those into very pandering, awkward shots, but they show the restraint to not do that. They don't actually show anything. And that is greatly appreciated. Yeah, it was... It was a blessing, definitely. Like, okay, (laughs) if someone told you you have to include a plot point about 
pulling down each other's skirts accidentally in public. It, I guess that's the way you do it. So that it's all right. It's, I mean, it's it's the the camera is above their waist, so you don't actually you just see them get embarrassed, but you don't see their underpants. Thank goodness. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, really, it's there to just sort of set up the conflict between the two of them. Right. Because it's not about the underpants, this, which again, not necessarily right. a sentence <laughs> I hoped to not say. Not a sentence you could use to just. Yeah, like, not a sentence you could use to describe either long writers or Minami Kamakura. Yeah, that, those shows are awesome uh, about the underpants. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but what I like about that, too, is that you can immediately tell where the plot is going to be going from there. Because there's kind of this brief moment before that happens where Aoi and Kakona are kind of talking excitedly. And Aoi is kind of off to the side, you know, she's not involved in this conversation and when she tries to get involved, you know, when she asks what they're talking about, they kind of shut her out. So you can immediately sense that there's this divide that's going to occur between Aoi and Hinata. Mm-hmm. And you think it's going to be about the underpants, but it is not. Uh, it, it does sort of set the stage for it, though. And so, you know, it, it's like, hey, they're using underpants as a means to set the stage for conflict. <laughs> right. Um... Not a sentence I ever would have yeah, thought yeah. I would say uh, recording this. Um, and, but, you know, and I thought, it, you know, I think it's good to also sort of, it's a good way to reestablish their relationship. Because it, it is, Hinata has, it, it does kind of feel like Aoi is putting in a lot of the work into this friendship. And there needed to be a moment where Hinata had to reciprocate in kind, basically. Because everybody's been kind of putting up with uh Hinata's sort of flightiness, and, you know, it's not really, like, a big deal, but, you know, there is kind of this sense that eh, she's kind of taking more than she's giving here. Um, and so I'm glad that we had an episode to kind of, like, reestablish, like, no, no, these these girls, like, you know, Hinata can actually, like, put forth the effort to actually, like, stay friends with them. And I think it's that central core that actually manages to, manages to kind of keep the show from, like, going off the rails. No, I agree. Uh it was it was plenty of fun. Um, I I was interested with the the second episode, episode six. What you thought about, like essentially, like you said, the the central conflict was just between Aoi and her mom, right? Talking and her mom's concern was like, since when do you care about uh, mountain climbing? Since right. w- since when is hiking Mount Fuji at night interesting to you? Uh, that doesn't seem safe, and you have better things to do. Right. Um, what I like about that as well is, again, they actually set this up a few episodes ago. Because there's that, if you remember, for the camping episode, it begins with her mother expressing concern. Being like, uh, I don't really feel comfortable with you going out at night like this. Mm-hmm. And But, you know, Aoi manages to be like, no, you know, I'm just going out with, you know, I'm going to just be in Hinata's yard. It'll be fine. Uh, and you know, but it's like, I, I like that because this isn't something that just sort of comes out of nowhere that feels like it's just trying to create plot. You know, they actually put in the work ahead of time and now we're getting the payoff for, it. you know, it's like, okay, like we already know that this is a, you know, for as little as we know about Aoi's mother, uh, you know, this, we do know that this was something that was probably going to come up again in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, this is kind of where it pays off. And I also kind of like the fact that, you know, the message is that it's, it's something that Aoi actually had to earn. Now, it's kind of earned rather simply, I would say, because all she has to do is talk with her mother a second time. Yeah. 
Uh, but you know, you know, actually like tell her about what she's going to be doing rather than just sort of, you know, being like, oh yeah, no, it'll be great. I'm going to go up to Mount Fuji. Hey Ma, can I borrow your down sweater? Like, or your down, uh, your down coat. But you know, at the very least she did kind of get that, you know, she did actually have to put forth some effort and actually learn something in order to gain the permission, essentially. Well, speaking of, uh, gaining permission, do you want to talk about how, uh, the... Girl Cycling Club gains permission to go to Taiwan. Uh, I, so I knew you were transitioning into Manami Kamakura. Oh boy. Okay, so a lot of this episode... Uh, well, you kind of pretty much said the episode right there, to be honest. The girls get a vacation to go to Taiwan because apparently the school needs to... needs to have them scout Taiwan for them to see if it would be a good place for the school trip. Uh, and so naturally they send the cycling club because God forbid the girls actually have to like earn anything in their lives. They just, sorry, I'm going to get into the summary. Yeah, now. just, just summarize. Don't editorialize <laughs> quite yet. <laughs> it's hard. I okay. Know. So when the girls get there, um, immediately like five seconds after their land, they land because, uh, Hiromi and Sandy have the attention span of dachshunds. Editorializing again. Sorry. Uh, they run off and start exploring the airport. They eventually run into a girl who looks exactly like Higa. And what do you know? She is their, uh, uh, their tour guide. And so the, this, uh, this fake, uh, Higa is named Sue. And she, uh, basically, you know, she's their tour guide. She shows them around town. She shows them how they can ride, uh, they can rent bikes in, uh, Thailand about how they have, like, a pace Still system. Still Taiwan. Oh, I said Thailand, my bad. Sorry, yeah, Taiwan. <laughs> uh, you learn about how they, uh, about how Sue can speak multiple languages and that she's this very worldly person. Uh... They eventually take a trip to... What was the name of the lake there? It's basically the big, biggest lake in Taiwan. Yeah, I didn't write that down. Okay, I didn't write it down either. Uh, they take a bike ride around the lake. And uh, Hiromi notices that Higa seems rather down this whole trip. And apparently Higa's problem is that in spite of how similar she and Sue look, she's very jealous of Sue because of how worldly she is and how she wishes she could be like Sue. But... Sue is so, but, you know, she's too so introverted that she could never really be like her. Uh, so Hiromi forces Sue and Higa to have a nice sit down and talk about, you know, things. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, uh, what Higa finds out is that uh, Sue actually was exactly like Higa when she was in high school. And they, uh, and that it wasn't until college that she sort of got, came out of her shell and then she and Higa start talking more about how, you know, Higa has the same goal to see the world as Sue does. And the two promise to one day uh, ride around the world together. And uh, they all make uh, Sue an honorary member of the Minami Kamakura uh, Cycling Club because uh, by giving her a jersey. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much where the episode ends. Right. So, Matt, thoughts? I mean... There's two big things. Number one, this accomplished nothing for the plot. <laughs> you know, like I'm not, I'm not hating on. It. I'm just saying that it didn't actually build up the characters in any meaningful way. You no. know, it just sort of threw them into a different set of scenery. Had them walk around. 
there were a bunch there were i think we counted like six montages yep. of panning stills of the girls like standing around locations in tokyo right or in taiwan oh my gosh now i'm doing it <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter uh, yeah right it might as well be tokyo for yeah essentially as, you know as much Chinese as they had to use in Taiwan. Um, everyone <laughs> spoke Japanese. Except yeah. for the two Americans that they who ran into. Up? Who spoke English and Sue could speak to them in English. And that just helped spawn Higa's jealousy of right. Sue is so cool. And Higa's uh, a 16 year old who for some reason hasn't been around the world. Um <laughs> That, yeah. That's what gets me about that, is that, like, Sue even talks to Higa and is like, wow, you're so, lo-. it's like, wow, you're amazing, you're, you're able, to, like, I'm so jealous you're able to, like, travel around the world and sick at, like, the age of 16, I wasn't able to do that until I was in college, and it's like, well, no, duh, when you're just handed a free trip to Taiwan, that makes it pretty easy. Yeah, exactly, I mean, the principal of Manami Kamakura said she invited the bike club and said, we're going to pay for you to take a vacation to Taiwan to tell us if Taiwan is a good place to visit. She literally tells them to have a vacation and see what it's like to bike there. Right. Um, and like... that, it, it, that, that's just what, what gets me about it, is that the premise is so absurd that any high school would have the money not only to send, send a bunch of high school kids to Taiwan for a week, but also to ship their bikes there so <laughs> that they can do a bike ride in addition to renting bikes in Taiwan. Uh, so they rent bikes and then use their own separately, even though they could have just rented them the whole time much cheaper. So what school is going to pay for that? And perhaps more importantly, what school is going to trust five high school girls to evaluate whether or not this is a good investment for, like, their school trip? You know, why would you trust their opinions about anything? They're children. Right. Like, why... Can't you just, like, I don't know, visit sites? Like... Yeah, visit a website or send one adult. Right, um, like, by at themselves. The very least, even that seems like a little extreme to me because I highly doubt. Or like, can't they talk to somebody who has been there before that they trust? Yeah, like just use a phone, and call right. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, like no, we have there's... to send these five girls. Yeah, there's so many reasons that it's insane. Um, and I, it, to me, it's just the audacity that the show has to like with that conversation between. <laughs> they play it straight. Yeah. Yeah, like, to play it so straight and to ha- to make it sound like they really accomplished something by going to Taiwan. Like, exactly. oh, wow, like, it's so amazing that you were able to do this. Like, yeah, it's amazing, but you're, it's like, why are you phrasing this as if, though, that this was something that she had achieved and not was just sort of given by somebody in a higher power? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, it's just so absurd! Well, yeah, I think, though, my favorite thing about the episode is... That at the end they give their tour guide who looks exactly like Higa a like a jersey for their cycling team, uh, which somehow fits. And for some reason they brought an extra, uh, never used, wrapped in plastic jersey for their high school team. Matt, please, they had it shipped to them. I'm sure the school can afford it. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> 
Um, excuse me, we really like our tour guide. We'd like to ship her another, uh, we'd like another jersey ship to us. Yeah. Please. Uh, you can, you got the budget for that too, right? Like, I mean, the school has to be just, like, swimming in money. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is the same school that gave them random funding, even when they weren't a club. They were just, like, <laughs> five girls who hung out sometimes, and they're like, well, you know, here's $500. <laughs> <laughs> And while we're on the subject of the laziness of this, can we also, like, the laziness of making this character look exactly like Higa? Yeah, it accomplishes no real purpose except for making it so they don't have to make another character. Yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah. guess, you know, and also it's just the most super on-the-nose no on imagery to say, like, oh, this is what Higa wants to be like when she grows up. She wants to be exactly like herself, but older. And it, so they and, and they do the same on the other way around. Right, exactly. It's like, oh, well, so, you know, if she's so concerned about it, but, you know, doesn't think she can because of her personality, don't worry, this girl who looked exactly like her, but is different, actually used to be exactly like Higa. Yeah. We, we were actually guessing throughout the episode, it's like, are they going to try and pull some sort of thing where she has, like, lost twin? Like, she has, like, a lost twin or something like well, that? Well, yeah. And that was the weird thing, because they looked exactly identical, but, I mean, Sue was clearly at least ten years older than her. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she would have had to be, because she's a college graduate at the very... Like, she's well, yeah, at so... least got to be, like, seven or seven to eight years older. Right. But, um... uh... So it was weird. Uh, it was also a weird choice that for the final slash bonus episode, they would focus on Higa. Right. Like, whose favorite character is Higa? And she didn't really <laughs> stand out much during the show, I mean, which is, is fine. Not every character needs to stand out. It's just weird that it would be the super secondary character would have this moment of growth of, you know, realizing that if you go new places, you'll be okay. And that's that's the theme we want to end on. I mean, admittedly... Episode it's... 12 didn't really end on a much better theme of, like, English is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate Minami Kamakura so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Well, anyway, Matt, if you don't mind, I think I'm going to clear out here. Uh, thank you for having me on, as always. Uh, yeah, have fun at ASEN, man. I will, thank you. Uh, so, why don't you just go ahead and go on to Tiger Mask? Alright, and we are back in the present with just one Matt. Um, the other Matt is off enjoying the high life at Anime Central in Chicago. Um, and I'm in Iowa, and that's, that's fine. So... While he's gone, I uh, had the chance to watch Tiger Mask episode 32, and boy was it something. So the episode is called Lumberjack, and, you know, with an episode title like that, who knows what's in store. And it starts off with Tiger Mask and Haruna basically being informed that he has one more match left on his contract, this sort of semi-fluid contract that they never really clarify the specificities of but anyway he has one last fl fight on his contract with gwm and he's going to be fighting miracle three um after that he goes to the hospital and he sees ruri um attending uh, tiger of the dark and he just sort of walks away without saying anything and he's effectively given up on ruri although that's never really said out loud um this uh, NJPW gets set up for a tag team match. It's a three-on-three -three, uh, against GWM. 
which kind of devolves pretty quickly into a brawl. Um, Miracle 3 ends up intervening, and uh, Tiger Mask jumps into the match too. It just becomes a mess, and uh, the result is invalidated. And the, the main event is Tiger Mask versus Miracle 3 beforehand. It is revealed that uh, Miracle 3 is actually Coach O'Connor, who apparently has a last name, um, but he's the bald GWM coach with the, the big scar over his eye who's occasionally shown up um, where he's training people like for the hell in the hole and that sort of thing. Um, anyway, so Tiger Mask has to fight him, uh, but Miss X announces that it is a quote-unquote lumberjack-style match meaning that the seconds uh, for GWM, if uh, Tiger Mask falls out of the ring, then the seconds have to push him back in, um, so he can't fall out of the ring. I guess that's a thing. Anyway, uh, every time he falls out of the ring, uh, the three other GWM wrestlers just uh, beat the crap out of him and then push him back in the ring, and no one calls a foul because no one ever calls a foul. Uh, this leads Ryu and the rest of the NJPW wrestlers uh, to realize they have to support Tiger Mask even though he betrayed them. So they come in, help him uh, break up the fight with the other GWM wrestlers, and Tiger Mask is able to focus on Miracle 3. Uh, he throws him off with some unpredictable moves. He says Miracle 3's moves are too predictable, uh, and then he suplexes him for the win. Um, the last thing that happens is Fukuwara Mask, who is commentating, sort of notes darkly that uh, Miracle 3, or Coach O'Connor, now he'll have to face the Tiger's execution too. And that's the episode. Um, it was, in terms of how these things go, it was a pretty decent one. Um, the action was well done. Um, there was some development where Tiger was able to redeem himself with NJPW, you saw a little bit more of a connection between Ryu and Haruna. You put some uh, uh, a name to a face, I guess, with Coach O'Connor, and um, I don't know. the the fight The fight was well done, at least the second fight. I, I would say though that my favorite moment. Uh, it, it's kind of unfortunate almost that this keeps happening. My favorite moment was the one off line by Fukuwara Mask. Um, where at the end of the episode he says, you know, with some sadness in his voice that that Coach O'Connor is going to have to go to the Tiger's execution, which is ironic because, you know, Coach O'Connor had been the one administering the Tiger's execution before. Um, and if you don't remember, that's effectively where you get sent to the, the Hell in the Hole area and you just have to keep fighting until GWM decides that you've redeemed yourself as a punishment for daring to lose in public. Um, and so that, that will be his, his burden. Um, it's not as though Coach O'Connor were deve was developed well enough for us to really empathize. Um, so what it does more for me is it shows there's some scarring with Fukuwara Mask where he recognizes what it's like to be in Coach O'Connor's position. Um, because it's entirely possible that Fukuwara Mask was Coach O'Connor's predecessor. Uh, it's already been established that he was a coach for GWM, so he may have had that experience, and it may be what what drove him out of G GWM once and for all. Um, there's one point that I failed to bring up in my summary, which is that uh, Naoto went off at one point to go train more on his 
killer move, um, and they sort of talked through what moves was he most afraid of from other wrestlers, so he tried to replicate the best moves he'd seen other wrestlers do, and none of them really stuck, except for um, King Tiger's axe kick, uh, which he does use in the match against Miracle 3, but he still doesn't really come up with anything for his killer move, so this is just something we're talking about over and over. You know, it has to be something special, something that'll dazzle. Um, so in that in that match, I guess the one interesting element of that is that Tiger Mask uses something called an axe kick in a self-described uh, lumberjack match. So who knows if that was intentional, um, but now that I'm saying it out loud, I do realize how ridiculous it is. Like, how, how are you going to win a lumberjack match with an axe kick? Like, of course. And was that was that a pun they were planning? Is it just a weird thing in, that makes more sense in English than it did in Japanese? I don't know. Um, but I'm not passionate enough to find out. Um, so overall, if if Tiger Mask were able to maintain the, the tone and the forward movement and the good choreography of this episode throughout, I don't think we'd be as burned out on it. Um, I'd love to say that, you know, maybe Tiger Mask is turning a corner, but I've been burned too many times before when I've said that. So I'm not going to say that, but I am just going to be grateful for a good week of Tiger Mask. Um, if you're watching off and on, this might be a good one to, to jump back in just to see a, an episode done well, or at least as well as any of these are going. Um, so yeah, hopefully we've got, you know, with 39 episodes, so that was 32, so don't, don't have much left. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they can manage to get Tiger, Tiger Mask to fight the third, since he's off his GWM contract, there's no clear path to doing it. Uh, but I am sure that they will find a way. Uh, so with all that being said, um, the other Matt is eventually going to edit this, so I'm just going to trust that he will put the credits in eventually. So now I'm going to leave an awkward pause and just hope he does it for me. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshiencast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training. <laughs>